Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Two thirty-four this afternoon. Andrew Lawton with you in for Rob Breckenridge this afternoon. Hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday, December nineteenth, so far. If not, we've been talking for the last half hour about telecom deals and all the wonderful things you can do on your phone with now 10 gigs of data slash data. We never really settled how we're going to pronounce it officially on the show here. Let's talk about one of the more concerning elements of that, and that is what happens to the information that you put out there. Interesting story here where Netflix and Spotify are finding that some people are responding poorly to its algorithming and it's attempted humor in the case of Netflix. It started with a tweet from Netflix where they posted on December 10th to the 53 people who have watched A Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days who hurt you. Making a joke about people that would watch a sappy Hallmark-esque movie 18 days in a row, but the response from people is, hang on, I, I don't like the idea that someone's there looking at what I'm viewing in a room. What about Spotify? If you're looking at what music someone's listening to, you're figuring out points in their life. Hey, they're listening to a bunch of sad music now. Then it was happy music. Hey, they're doing all this. We know it goes on and on with other companies as well. We give them the information. We do it. We sign up for the terms and conditions. Do we have a right to complain about it? That's a question I want to explore later. I do want to bring into this, though, Professor Tom Keenan, who's in the Faculty of Environmental Design at the University of Calgary and also author of the best-selling book, Techno Creep. It's good to talk to you, Professor Keenan. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, all things considered. How about yourself? Good, good. Good, good. So the people complain every time a company kind of tips its hand in the way that Netflix did, which is a really in-your-face example of it here. But people, for the most part, willingly play ball with this every other day. Absolutely. When you want a service, you're going to have to agree to their terms and conditions. Once you check that box, who knows what they'll do with the data. You might as well just assume they know everything about you, including when you had your last bow moment. <laughs> It's an interesting dilemma, though, because in a lot of ways, people who will often fear the big brother mentality will go after the surveillance state. And people tend to fear government as being the big threat when it comes to privacy. But in actuality, private companies are the ones that are a bigger threat in the sense that we willingly and voluntarily hand over our information. And I remember once being at a phone store and I was getting help with something and and she had just mentioned because she was trying to make a point. She said, oh, you live here, right? And I said, whoa, hang on, how do you know that? She's like, well, look at your phone. And she showed me this section of my iPhone that tracks my movements, and she told me how to turn it off. And and I'm not particularly concerned with it, but I know that that information in the wrong hands is a problem. So how do companies find that balance? Because they also can't be seen as being really repelling with it. If customers start to revolt, then they're going to pay for it on the other side. Well, the most famous example is Target, and there's this great story. Target finds out teenage girl is pregnant, 
before her dad does. And how did it happen? In a nutshell, this girl was shopping at Target. She entered a contest, so she gave away her home address. And she started buying, you know, prenatal vitamins and things like that. She hadn't gotten around to telling her parents about her condition. And the dad went and complained in the store. You know, why are you trying to, why are you sending out things about babies? Literature to my daughter, you know, in your Target ad. And uh, the manager apologized. And two weeks later, the dad apologized and said, I didn't know she was pregnant. And the money quote from all this was Target saying, but as long as they don't know we're doing it, it's not creepy, right? And so they wound up putting, still putting baby stuff in their flyers that they send to pregnant women, but mixing in barbecues and power drills so that they wouldn't understand that they were being targeted. Yeah, I remember with Air Miles having that a little while ago, where I get the flyer that has the coupons, and it was items that I would buy a lot. And on one hand, I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, okay, it's it's convenient and whatnot. But then I'm like, I also don't like the idea that that someone somewhere, however automated the process is, knows what my buying habits are and detects patterns that even I didn't really know I had. I think that's where it becomes really exceptional is when it's telling us something that we haven't even quite figured out about ourselves yet. Or in the case of the Target example, you're right, something that maybe our family doesn't know about us yet. Well, it's even worse because there's neuropsychiatric research that shows that we form the intention to buy something before we even know it, but that computers can find that out. So, for example, Twitter measures things like how long do you linger on a particular photograph? All that data is crunched by algorithms, and all of a sudden they bring up something and you go, gee, how did it know I wanted to buy that, right? And the answer is you were basically sold in a in a real-time auction. You are worth real money uh, just because of your buying preferences. So when people respond, whether it's to Netflix or Spotify or whatever the company is with outrage, do you think a lot of this is very feigned? Because I do wonder if people actually, when push comes to shove, change any of their habits after these things. No, that people don't change their habits because they want whatever the benefit is. You're still going to want to watch, binge watch things on Netflix over Christmas. So, you know, the reality is this is good because it makes people aware. My, you know, private conspiracy theory is that there was somebody who wanted to get out the worried about how much we're creeping on you, somebody deep within Netflix. So they said, if we put out to the 53 people who watched a Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days, everyone will be talking about this and they'll know just how creepy we are. Do you think that people take comfort in the relative automation of this process more than one person sitting and saying, you know, let's see what Andrew Lawton in Canada has been watching or let's see what Tom Keenan in Calgary has been doing or whatever the case may be? You know, we've kind of already had this. If you go to a favorite store like a menswear store and you look at a tie and you don't buy it, a good salesperson is going to remember that you like that tie and show it to you the next time you come in or show you similar ones. The problem is, as you said, it's becoming automated and it's being shared. So it's not just like you have a favorite salesman at the shopping mall. All the stores in the mall are talking to each other and they're all sharing information about you. So you basically walk into an online store that you've never been into and already knows all about you because somehow your preferences have been transmitted to it. So do you think that companies are going to continue to push the envelope in this area? Because we know the technology, especially with artificial intelligence, inherently improves upon itself and gets better and better. Or do you think that there's going to have to be a point where they pull back a little bit or at least start hiding it a little bit more? 
Well, hiding it is probably what's going to happen or making it more subtle in some ways. The problem is that, you know, we're pretty smart. We find these things. And, and when something comes out like this, people notice. Uh, I noticed recently that when you use Google Maps, if you're logged into your Google account, it will show you the streets and everything, but it highlights other things. My wife likes libraries. When I use her Google Maps account, I see libraries. And when I look at mine, I see something else. So the reality is already Google knows what kind of things we like and is changing the actual maps of the city to to uh, try to sell things to us. It is interesting, too. I, I got a car a few months ago and I connected it to Bluetooth so that I could listen to my music from my phone. And, and I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, OK, I'm just listening to my music. But I didn't know the car is doing all these other things in the background. And I had one a uh, little while ago when I had first started using this feature where I got in and, and the car said, not the phone, said, uh, or no, sorry, no, it was my phone. I, it, it gave me a little notification that said, you know, you're, you're 11 minutes from home right now because it knew once I turned on my car. I'm getting ready to go. And it wasn't something that bothered me because I know that, you know, my phone roughly knows my schedule. It's more just that subtle reminder. And I'm wondering how that impacts people that are really uneasy about this, because I think by you know, and large, younger people don't care. Because I talk about this stuff, I have to try it all. So I enabled Google location services and it beat me at a meeting at the university and said, your car is parked in lot so-and-so, stall so-and-so. And I went, do you think I'm an idiot? I know where I parked my car. <laughs> I didn't say that aloud. I just looked at it. Two days later, I'm at the airport, and there's this big parking lot. Hey, Google, where's my car? <laughs> so we want the benefits of these things. When we're at the airport, we want to know where it is. What you got to know is if you have location tracking services on, Google knows everywhere you've gone. They have tracked you to your home, to your work, to Hooters or whatever, and all that information can be monetized. In fact, there's a book coming out next year by a Harvard professor named Shoshana Zuboff about what they call surveillance capitalism. And the idea behind it is that that you're worth money. In fact, you're worth maybe more. The information about you is worth more than the stupid stuff that you actually buy, like Spotify. Your preferences may influence other things, like maybe even what car you buy, because certain kinds of music listeners buy certain kinds of cars. I know that Facebook is often held as one of the biggest examples or biggest villains, depending on how you talk to about this. And, and in particular, I'll be speaking about a little later on in the show, the people you may know feature. And, and I remember there was one controversy a little while ago where this feature that tells you you should add so-and-so had actually connected patients of the same psychiatrist. And it was based on location data. And that was an example of where this is going beyond commercialism and is actually something that's violating in that case, I mean, it would have been privacy law if anyone other than Facebook had disclosed it. But do we have a, a greater and greater body of evidence of, of that phenomenon of going beyond consumer preferences, but actually things that are in even legally precarious territory? Absolutely. There's a great example from the Maritimes where there were some people who were underage, so their names were protected. Either they were the victims or they were the accused of certain court cases. And somehow, when you Google that case, Google would bring up their names. And the Halifax Chronicle Herald's site would come up about the case when you Google this person's name, even though it was protected. So some people investigated, and Google said, you know, we can't explain this. We didn't link those 
those. The Halifax Chronicle Herald didn't link them, but because people were guessing, hey, that must be Jimmy Jones. He's a real bad kid, and he's the, the perpetrator of that. And they were Googling them together. The algorithm at Google learned the association and all by itself started bringing up that case when you put in Jimmy Smith's name. There's not a moral judgment attached to what I'm hearing from you. So I wanted to ask you, do you think this is a net positive or a net negative? You know, for everybody, it's going to be different. I I have a lot of fun uh, giving disinformation to these things. So I do a lot of online health surveys. And they go, do you have diabetes? And I check yes. And I go, (laughs) gestational diabetes. And I don't have diabetes. And I'm not pregnant, which would would be what gestational diabetes would be. So, you know, a little bit of creative disinformation is good. You don't have to tell the truth on the Internet. I used to travel with a police officer. And we would talk to kids. And she would say, well, if they ask for your name, just put in my name or IP freely or something stupid like that. And the kids would go, officer, is it okay to lie to the Internet? And she would say, look, you don't have to tell them the truth. They're just a company that wants your information. Yeah, and I also wonder if we're going to get to a point where the right to disappear needs to be a greater discussion, because every now and then, birthdays actually, I'll get an email from a website that I had no idea I was even a member of, or something from years ago, saying, oh, you know, happy birthday, Andrew, and I usually use that as an opportunity to log in and unsubscribe, but it means there is a footprint that for a lot of people, certainly younger people who are born with this technology available from the moment they're born, rather than something that was developed later on in their life, that means that we all have a footprint that in many cases it would be just insurmountable to go and try to eliminate. Absolutely. When I wrote Technocreep, I researched the average age of digital birth in the United States, and it was in 2014, it was 18 months at which you have an online presence. Now I think it's probably prenatal. People are posting the ultrasounds of their fetus online, you know, and trying to give them Facebook pages. So you're absolutely right. We have this profile. An interesting thing to watch, and maybe we'll talk about it come May, the European Union has new privacy rules, including the right to be forgotten. They will be coming into effect May 25th, 2018. It's called the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation. And guess what? Canadian companies are subject to them. If you have data as a Canadian company on European people, then you could be fined and find a lot of money. So it sounds like there is at least a discussion, but like any things, the regulations and even the consumer practices are far downstream of what the algorithms are doing. Oh, absolutely. And we don't even know. I mean, as I said, Google couldn't explain for a while why their algorithms were bringing up the accused names, even though these were legally protected by a court order. And the answer is the algorithm is smart. It saw a lot of people guessing that this was the person and therefore it formed that link in a kind of you know, back propagation neural network or whatever technology they're using. So we are getting to the point, as you suggest, where the algorithms are smarter than us in the sense that we can't even understand them. Yes, and Facebook notoriously coy whenever asked to explain anything to do with its algorithms. So, fascinating topic indeed. The book is Technocreep. The author, Professor Tom Keenan, joining us on the line now. Professor, thanks very much and Merry Christmas to you. Same to you, Andrew. All the best to you, sir. When we come back in a couple of moments, more of this on Afternoons here on 770 CHQR. This is Andrew Lawton. Stay tuned. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.